0: Good to have you here with us. And I uh, just wanted to give you a little update, too, about one of our pastors in Kenya, Pastor Emmanuel. Some of you I know pray for him on a regular basis. And uh, I got an unusual email from him this morning. He usually doesn't email me on, on Sunday mornings. And I could tell by the timestamp that it was probably, they're about seven hours ahead of us. So it was like right after their services, he sent me an email and just uh, an email of praise. He said they had eight people that trusted Christ in their service this morning, which was a pretty cool thing, and yeah, that's awesome. And I want to share that with you because obviously by extension, we're part of that, and that's really a cool thing. As we give and we make ministry possible for them over there, that's, that's part of the fruit of our ministry, and I'm, I'm excited about that. And I um, hope we can get Pastor Emmanuel here sometime to meet you. We've tried once before and spent almost $1,000 actually back and forth to Nairobi trying to get a visa and, and uh, haven't been able to do that. He's been denied for sake. They don't think he'll come back if he comes here. <laughs> He's got, you know, three of his own kids, two more living with him. I think if he didn't come back, his wife would come hunt him down. I can, I can assure you he'll come back. But just pray as you have the opportunity. Pray for them, our brothers and sisters in Kenya. And pray that God might open up a door and make that possible in the future for him to come. Well, comedian Jeff Foxworthy is known for his humorous list entitled, You Might Be a Redneck If. Now, so as not to be offensive to anybody that might consider themselves of that persuasion, I said to a gentleman who's interning with us this week, I said, he's not interning with us this week, I said to him this week, we don't usually have interns just for a week, he kind of considers himself to be a little redneckish, and so I said to him, uh, "Like, is this offensive to you?" And he goes, "No, that describes me perfectly. So I'm totally cool with you sharing those things." So it's in the spirit of that that I share these things this morning. You might be a redneck. By the way, I found 300 of them online. I'm not going to give you 300. Okay, I've just narrowed them down to my top nine. Actually, you might be a redneck if you've ever cut your grass and found your car. If that's been true of you, you're a redneck. You might be a redneck if you own a homemade fur coat. Okay, that just sink in there for a moment. You might be a redneck if you've financed a tattoo. Not if you have a tattoo, but if you had to finance it, then you might be a redneck. Number four, you might be a redneck if you've taken a fishing pole to SeaWorld. Okay, don't do that. You're not supposed to do that. Number five, you might be a redneck if you show your belt buckle as an ID. Number six, and this could classify me and probably some of you as maybe being a redneck. This could classify me potentially in that uh, area. Thanksgiving dinner is ruined because you ran out of ketchup, right? need ketchup for everything. Number seven, you might be a redneck if you've seen Elvis this week. Number eight, you might be a redneck if you come home from the garbage dump with more than you left with. Now... I don't want any finger pointing going on in this sermon at all, but I do know there are some of you, okay, I'm just saying, all right, and I'm not going to name your names and I don't want you pointing to each other, but there might be some of you. And then lastly, here's the one that I have become convinced that my brother and dear friend Matt Rice could potentially be considered a redneck. You might be a redneck if you've slow danced in a Waffle House. You might be a redneck. I found out not too long ago that that is one of Matt, that's like your place, right? That's like their place, right? Yeah, their place is Waffle House. So you pray for Dana and just pray for, although you like it too, right? I mean, you love it, right? At least he told you to say that, right? It was Several weeks ago in our staff meeting, you know, we on Tuesdays, we go to lunch together and Matt made an executive decision, which if you know Matt well, he doesn't make many executive decisions, Right. He made an executive decision, and he said, we're going to Waffle House for staff lunch today, and we went to Waffle House, and uh, it was fun. It was good, and and Matt and I slow danced, and that's what made it really even, even nicer. Yeah, we did. Come on. Come on. We did. You did. Well, this morning, I want to give you a list that might be entitled something like this. You might be a fool if. If you have a piece of paper and a pen, you might want to write that down at the top of the paper right now. You might be a fool if, all right? Larry Walter's boyhood dream was to fly, but fate conspired to keep him from his dream. He joined the Air Force, but his poor eyesight disqualified him from the job of pilot. After he was discharged from the military, he sat in his backyard watching jets fly around overhead. He hatched his weather balloon scheme while sitting outside in his extremely comfortable Sears lawn chair. He purchased 45 weather balloons from an Army-Navy surplus store. He tied them to his tethered lawn chair, dubbed the Inspiration One, and filled the four-foot diameter balloons with helium. Then armed with some sandwiches, a cooler, and a pellet gun, he strapped himself into his lawn chair. He figured he would shoot to pop a few of the many balloons when it was time to descend. Larry planned to, to sever the anchor and lazily float to a height of about 30 feet from above the, above the backyard, where he would enjoy a few hours of flight before coming back down, but things didn't work out quite as Larry planned. When his friends cut the cord anchoring the lawn chair to his Jeep, he did not float lazily up to 30 feet. Instead, he streaked into the LA sky as if shot from a cannon, pulled by the lift of 45 helium balloons holding, get this, 33 cubic feet of helium each. He didn't level off at 100 feet, nor did he level off at 1,000 feet. After climbing and climbing, get this, true story, this is, I've checked this out, this is true, this is reality, some of you have heard this before, he leveled off at, get this, 16,000 feet. At that height, he felt he couldn't risk shooting any of the balloons, lest he unbalance the load and really find himself in trouble, as if he was not already in trouble. So he stayed there, drifting cold and frightened with his cooler and sandwiches for more than 14 hours. He crossed the primary approach corridor of LAX, where startled airline pilots radioed in reports of the strange sight. (laughs) Eventually, he gathered the nerve to shoot a few balloons and slowly descended. The hanging tethers dangled and got caught up in a power line, blacking out a Long Beach neighborhood for 20 minutes. Larry climbed to safety as he landed where he was arrested by waiting members of the LAPD. As he was led away and handcuffed, he's reported uh, as saying to a reporter who was dispatched to cover the story, when asked why he had done it, Larry replied nonchalantly, a man can't just sit around. That's why he did it. True story. You can check it out. I, I checked it out to make sure it was true. I heard it several years ago, but it is a very true story, and those are the exact details. One might consider Larry Walters a fool. Uh, Interestingly enough, though, many, if not all of us, exhibit foolish behavior on a regular basis, if not a daily basis. This week in preparation for our time together this morning, where I have entitled my sermon, You Might Be a Fool If, I started to think about the many foolish things that I've done in my life, and I've narrowed it down to the top five things, beginning beginning when I was age three, all the way up to age 38. I haven't done anything stupid in the last 10 years, it's been... (laughs) actually there are though they just didn't fit in the top 5 all right let me give you the five when i was 3 i ate an entire bottle of children's aspirin convinced that they were little oranges true story i was i was sick and my grandmother had come over to our house and my mom was seeing her out and went to the front door and got caught uh, talking with her at the front door and while she was gone i took the bottle of aspirin still remember it right i don't remember a lot of things when i was 3 but I do remember this, took the whole bottle of aspirin, stuck them in my mouth and chewed them up. And you know, they, they, they taste like orange, right? Uh, you know, I'm three, it's 1969. I mean, I'm, I'm, it's good for me, it's candy. And my mom came back in the room as I uh, said, best candy, best candy. It was not a good night at the hospital. That was a very, very foolish thing for me to do. When I was about four, about a year later, I did something foolish I became very impatient that my mom did not come immediately to open the door for me when I knocked. And so I took out my hammer that I had just gotten for my birthday, and I bashed out the entire door, the entire thing. Just took the hammer, broke it all out, and climbed in the door. I was telling my daughter this week that I'm an impatient person. It started very young. I mean, it started at age four. Not a smart thing to do. When I was nine, after being repeatedly told not to throw a tennis ball at the side of our house... Don't do that, guys. I did it anyway. And I broke a stained glass window that was 125 years old. My dad had told me time and time again, don't throw the tennis ball against the side of the house. You might miss and you might hit the stained glass window. And of course, in my vast knowledge, and my vast wisdom as a nine-year-old, I knew better. And I threw that ball and it went just a little bit off track and right through the center of that stained glass window into my sister's bedroom. My backside has never forgotten that ill-fated throw. I remember it uh, to this day and thus ended my major league baseball aspirations. Number four, when I was 13, get this, I'm not a, I'm, I'm, how many of you are 13 down here? Anybody 13? All right, don't do this. When I was 13, I ran into a parked car on my bicycle. I did that. I I was riding my bicycle and I had just mowed a lawn and I looked over my shoulder at the lawn that I had just mowed and what a beautiful job that I had done and I rode smack into the back of a parked car when I was 13 years old. One proverb says pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. I learned that at age 13. And then when I was 38, some of you heard me tell this story, when I was 38 I decided to change a light switch without turning off the breaker. Uh, 38, not 8. 38. I almost died that night. Uh, Never again. Uh, My dad always said that I was never a quick learner, but when I learned a lesson, I learned it well. And trust me, I have learned the lesson of electricity. I don't touch electricity any longer. I would pay somebody lots of money to come over and do anything with electricity in my home. My point is this, that I have done a lot of very foolish things, and probably if you made your list, you'd probably have a long list as well of of stupid things, of foolish decisions that you've made. This morning, I want to take you through a um, a walk in Proverbs and have each one of us do a self-assessment of whether or not our life is marked by what King Solomon called a fool or foolish behavior. Now, just as uh, a little bit of memory as far as what the proverbs are, one Bible teacher has commented that proverbs are simple moral statements that highlight and teach fundamental realities about life. Many of you adults have been to business seminars where you've been to a seminar and you've, and you've heard the, 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 the presenter say something and you go, wow, that sounds biblical, <laughs> Most of the time, that's because it is biblical. Many of the things that are, that are shared in seminars like that come out of the Proverbs. These are simple moral statements that highlight and teach fundamental realities about life. And get this, they don't require a lot of commentary. Now, we do uh, a lot of exegetical teaching here at Northwest. Uh, you knew it took us months to go through the book of Galatians. We like to go word by word, verse by verse proverbs typically doesn't require that these are very very simple statements that you can read and you can grasp them uh, very quickly they don't require a lot of commentary and just real quickly three purposes of proverbs number one is to apply divine wisdom to the various aspects of life number two to instruct young people not just young people but older people as well that are just going out into the world And number three, I think it is good for us to picture it as a wise father, a wise mother that's sitting down with their children, and they're giving them advice. My dad used to say, I'm telling you this because I had to learn this the hard way. (laughs) That always meant that I made a foolish decision. I did something I shouldn't have done, and I don't want you to do that, so I'm going to tell you these things. That's the purpose of Proverbs. Now, I found out this week that the word fool or foolish or folly occurs 96 times in the book of Proverbs. 96 times. And of the 96 occurrences of fool or foolish or folly, there are two Hebrew words used in all but three of those instances. And a study of these two words reveals that there are two kinds of fools, particularly that we find in the book of Proverbs. First of all, we find the bullheaded fool. Fool. There's a bullheaded fool. Its root meaning in the Hebrew is weak-minded. And yet the word carries with it the idea of being strong-willed, of being determined. That is synonymous with the biblical, with the proverbial fool. One theologian, in fact, has defined this person as one who acts without counsel, whose will is too hard for his understanding, who has no reason for what he does, but because he has a mind to do it. that describe you? Don't raise your hand, all right? This fool doesn't want anyone to tell him what to do. He desires to do what he wants to do. He is thus bullheaded, and he's characterized by having plenty of energy, plenty of determination, but that energy and determination is totally focused on him having or her, lest we forget that women could be foolish as well, him or her having their own way. Then number two, there's the pig-headed fool. The other fool is pig-headed. The root word here is, uh, get this, fat. The word implies one who is mentally fat, dull, or sluggish. Another way of putting it is to say this person character-wise is a big blob, all right? Now, um, it's important for me to underline character-wise, all right? You can't just look at somebody and go, you look like you might be a fool because you're a blob, all right? That's, that's not how that goes. We're not talking about outward appearance, we're talking about character. This person would be characterized by being lazy or spoiled or inactive. So we have two fools, one who is fat and spoiled and self-centered and lazy, the other who is self-willed, hard-headed, hot-headed, but determined and energetic. We have a bull and a pig. Now, for the sake of our discussion this morning, the 10 things that I'm going to give you that Proverbs marks as a biblical or proverbial fool, for the sake of a definition this morning, I want you, if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. A fool is one who is thoughtless, who is self-centered, and here's the key part of that definition, obviously indifferent to God, obviously indifferent to God. That makes a big difference, by the way, when our world uses in the English language the word fool. They rarely attach that to the definition, but I want to do that this morning. One who is obviously indifferent to God, one who is thoughtless, self centered, and obviously indifferent to God. So I'm going to give you 10 things, all right? 10 things that, that Proverbs would say. You might be, in fact, I would say probably we are a fool if we do or don't do these things. Number one, you might be a fool if you don't fear the Lord. You might be a fool if you don't fear the Lord. Proverbs 1.7 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of of wisdom. And so if the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, then we can safely conclude uh, that a fool does not fear the Lord. That's why they're not wise. That's why they're a fool. They're indifferent to the things of God. They're thoughtless. They're self-centered because they don't fear the Lord. Psalm 14:1 says the fool has said in his heart there is no God. There is no God. In fact, I am that God. I am the center of the universe. The universe exists and everybody around me exists for me. That's what a fool says. What does it mean though to fear the Lord? We don't talk a lot about that in our evangelical churches. It's not really a palatable subject to talk about fearing the Lord. In fact, in our uh, American churches and our solid, even evangelical churches in the year 2014, we don't want to talk about fearing the Lord. We look at him as the great big granddad up in the sky that's kind of got a long, flowing white beard, kind of like the heavenly Santa Claus. We go and we sit on his lap, we tell him what we want, he does that, we screw up our lives, he goes, that's okay, it's really no big deal, I love you anyway. We don't really wanna talk about the fear of the Lord, but we need to understand what the fear of the Lord is. And so real simply for our conversation this morning, what does it mean to fear the Lord? It means to acknowledge that he is God and we are not. It's really that simple, that he's God and we're not. It means to respect God for who he is and to listen carefully to what he says and to follow closely to what he has told us to do in his word. That's what it means to fear God, to know that we are not the center of the universe, but that he is. To know that he knows much more than we know, that he is the omniscient one, he is the omnipotent one, he is the sovereign one, That's what it means to fear God, to put God in his rightful place in this world and in our lives. The fool, though, has no fear of God whatsoever. I'm telling you, we live in a culture, it's becoming more and more evident to me, even in the last couple years, that is so prone to, real, or to believe that, that really we can't necessarily determine how we live our lives or how we live and act as a church or as a culture, as a country, as a society, that somehow we need our vast knowledge that we've attained now that we're in the information age and we have the internet. And so it's becoming more and more that we don't fear God, that we become the center, that we become the bastion of knowledge and wisdom. And in doing so, I fear that we are really messing up this world. Uh, I fear that we, very quickly, if we're not careful, could really do great harm to the cause of Christ in our churches, in our evangelical churches all across this globe if we're not careful. We need to understand and know what it means to fear the Lord. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. You might be a fool if you don't fear God. I've said for a long time, I've told my boys especially, that I want them to love me fiercely, but to fear me. You know what that looks like? I think that's what our relationship ought to be with God. That we know he loves us fiercely. He's our loving heavenly father, but we have a holy reverence and fear of who he is. Uh, That's what I had for my dad. I, I loved my dad fiercely, but I had a holy reverence and a holy fear of him. I'll never forget when I was a child and he told me not to run around at church and in our church, our church was octagon shaped and it had an octagon shaped hallway that went all the way around the auditorium. A great design for a church if your parents were talking afterwards because there were just relay races and then there were were little kind of niches that were off where you went into classrooms off of that so you could hide. I mean, the hide and seek was awesome and he had told me, do not run. Do not run after the service. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Don't run after the service. And I remember one day coming around one of those laps, and there he was. And my dad had that look. Did your dad have that look? i got a look right now. Don't I, Kayla? I've got, I've got a look. They know what that look means. My dad had this look. And it, that look said everything. He, didn't have, he wouldn't have had to have done anything to my backside. That look said it all. It gave me an agenda of what was going to happen when we got home. Without him saying a word, it said everything to me. I feared that look because I knew he was capable of great discipline. And he would say to me, when we get home, we're going to have a little talk. And I'd go, I don't think that's like, gonna, how are you? I'm doing fine. How are you doing? It wasn't going to be that kind of talk. It was going to be him talking and then him doing business on my backside. I had a healthy fear for my dad. And I want to submit to you this morning, as followers of Jesus, we need to have a healthy fear of God. That's probably a whole sermon sometime. It can't be this morning or we're going to be in big trouble. All right? You might be a fool, though, if you don't fear the Lord. Number two, you might be a fool. In fact, I would say that you are a fool if you find pleasure in sin. Proverbs 10.23 says, A fool finds pleasure in wicked schemes, but a person of understanding delights in wisdom. You can tell a lot about a person by what makes them laugh. Let me ask you this week, especially you kids, but adults as well, as you watch TV, as you interacted in your neighborhood or at the workplace or with your friends, what made you laugh this week? What did you find that was humorous this week? You can tell a lot about a person by what makes them laugh. Proverbs says, a fool finds pleasure in wicked schemes. Proverbs 14.9 says, fools mock at making amends for sin. You can tell a lot about a person by what makes them laugh. Evil is a sport to them, one translation says. Rather than seeing sin as something that nailed Jesus to a cross, they see it as sport. It's something that's fun. You might do a little check uh, just this week as you're watching TV some evening and just do a check and find out what you're laughing at, what you find pleasure in. You say, come on, this is summer. It's supposed to be a real light series in the book of Proverbs. I mean, don't don't get too uncomfortable here. I've already done the list for myself. I've already done the self-assessment. You ever find yourself sitting with your kids laughing at something and in the back of your mind the still small voice of the Spirit of God says, that's not funny? ever do that a fool finds pleasure in sin he laughs at sin all right let's get off that that's very uncomfortable let's move to number three number three you might be a fool if you don't like instruction and you think you're always right you might be a fool if you don't like instruction and you think you're always right now very often in the book of proverbs this is a father giving advice to his son and he's telling his son listen to me Do what I'm saying to you. You know, don't make some of the same mistakes I've made. If you do this, it'll it'll go well with you. But it's not just true of young men, of of children. It's also true of us as adults. You might be a fool if you don't like instruction and you think you're always right. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But the second part of that verse says, But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 12.15, The way of fools seems right to them. But the wise listen. To advice Proverbs eighteen two, fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. In other words, it's somebody that airs their opinion rather than the word of God, rather than what is right. You might be a fool if you don't like instruction and you don't and you think you're always right. There are some of us that don't like to be told that what we're doing is wrong, or don't like to receive instructions. Um, men, that is true of many of us right? I say many of us. Remember, I've already taken the assessment. All right, I failed this particular one on a regular basis. You might be a fool if you don't like instruction. And I'm not talking about just, you know, you don't know where you're going. You don't want to stop and ask for directions. I'm not really talking about something as simple and pithy as that. I'm talking about, let's talk about it within the context of of your home, Let's talk about it with kids where, where you don't want instruction. You don't want your mom and dad telling you anything. You know the right way. Let's talk about it within the context of the church. When you're behaving in a way, in a way that's inconsistent with who you are in Christ and a brother or sister who's concerned about you, a pastor, and elder, says to you, hey, you know, I, I'm, I'm concerned about you in this area of your life. And immediately you shut them down. You're judgmental. You're judging me. You ever do that? If you find yourself on a regular basis going, I know that, don't, I, I, you know, I, don't, don't tell me that, or you're being judgmental, I don't want to hear that, you're probably a fool. Fools don't like instruction, and you think you're always right. Let me tell you this that I've learned at age 48. Many times I'm not right. I know, hard to believe, but it's true. Many times I'm just not right. And get this, many times you are just not right. Many times what you think is right and what may seem right to you is actually quite wrong. And you need to have people in your life who will give you instruction, who will tell you when you're wrong. You need those people in your life. Fools don't like instruction. They think they're always right. And by the way, they end up leaving this world, whether uh, before their time or as old people, as bitter old people who lived life, thinking that I needed instruction maybe when I was a kid, when I was a teenager, maybe when I was a young college student, but now I know. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're to that point in your life where you think you know everything and you do not, you do not need instruction, let me try to do everything I can this morning to, to tell you this, that you are a fool if you've gotten to that place in your life where you think you don't need instruction, where you think you don't need Wisdom, and you think you're always right. It'll do you great harm. There's nothing greater to me than when I see a man who has walked this road a long, long time. He's lived here for a very, very long time, an older man or an older woman, and yet they're they're constantly learning. They're constantly receiving instruction. That's great humility. That's great wisdom that comes by saying, I need instruction. I like instruction. I don't always know what is Right? The fool says, I don't like instruction, and I think I'm always right. Number four, you might be a fool if your language is questionable. You say, there's another one of those things. Don't talk about that. Well, Proverbs 19.1 says, better the poor whose walk is blameless than a fool whose lips are perverse. It's been interesting to me, even in my pastor friend circles, how many pastors have become convinced that it's cool to be able to say just a little bit of profanity every now and then. One too long ago, I was sitting with a pastor, and he looked really cool. He had skinny jeans on and a tight T-shirt. Which, by the way, just for the record, you don't have to ever worry about me wearing a tight T-shirt. <laughs> it's not really funny, but you don't have to worry about that, right? Okay? I know that I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of more of, a, more of a, the full-fitted guy, right? I mean, I'm not, not going to get the athletic fit. That you don't have to worry about that. But, I mean, he had the whole thing on. He had, he had the, the, the skinny jeans and the tight T-shirt on and probably had a little tat, you know? probably financed it, but he's he got, he got the tattoo. I mean, he's looking really, really cool. And all of a sudden, he kind of drops some profanity. And it, you kind of look at him and you go, like, do you think that that's cool? Like, I think we tell our kids not to do that. I mean, I don't think you would stand up and, in, in, you know, and teach your people and you kind of just throw it. Although, if you listen to enough podcasts, you realize that it's kind of become quite popular by some popular communicators across our country as well to have perverse lips. To say things that should not be said. Is that you? You have a tendency to to say words that at the end of the day, you know that our culture, even our secular culture, would consider them to be perverse. And yet you've slipped into a mode of that's just kind of part of your daily vernacular to do that. I want to challenge you about that. It's usually a bigger problem for guys than it is women, but it happens with women as well. A fool doesn't watch what he says. Here's been a good check for me. If I won't say it to the waitress, then I probably shouldn't say it to you. Now think about that for just a moment. Think of some of the words that you use and you go, well, they're not that bad. What would, say, what would she say if you said, hey, I want to take this food back. It tastes like, what would she say? Would she say you use profanity? Would she say that that, 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 that came from perverse lips? All right, very uncomfortable. Let's move to number five now too, all right? Number five, you might be a fool if you have an uncontrollable temper. Proverbs 14, 16 says, the wise fear the Lord and shun evil, but a fool is hot-headed and yet feels secure. Proverbs twelve sixteen, fools show their annoyance at once, but the prudent overlook an insult. Proverbs twenty nine eleven, fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. You might be a fool if you have an uncontrollable temper. Let me say this to you, moms and dads especially. Moms and dads, if you find a lot of your communication in the home to be when your voice is is several decibels above what it normally is when you're in a a regular conversation, which this probably serves me well because I've just got a big mouth and a loud voice anyway, so I'm okay on this one. But if you find yourself doing that on a regular basis, and that's the majority of the communication that you have with your kids, or God forbid, with your spouse, you probably have an uncontrollable temper. If you find yourself, again, especially dads, where you get physical with your children as you discipline them, you have an uncontrollable temper. You're a fool if you do that. You need to get that under check. We're going to talk here a little bit bit this fall, and there's some other things that, that apply to this. We're doing a series starting in September called White Picket Fences, and we're going to talk about, in fact, the byline is debunking the myths of the perfect family, and we're going to talk about marriage, we're going to talk about parenting, we're going to talk about what it's like to be a kid living in year 2014 and how difficult it is and how challenging it is. Some of these kids are going, yeah, it really is, man. I got a tough life living in Cary, North Carolina in 2014. We're going to talk about all those things. But I just want you to be careful with your discipline, parents. Be careful with your communication. Guys, be careful on the softball field. Okay? It's just a game, it's church softball. Church softball. Like, it's not just softball, it's church softball. And I'm an authority on this subject, by the way, because I know what it's like to really just step over the edge on the softball field, all right? So I already know that. So some of you are glaring at me right now. Look, I get that, all right? That's why I'm not playing right now. If you have an uncontrollable temper and it comes out in situations like that, you are a proverbial, a biblical fool. Don't do it. Number six, you might be a fool if you talk badly about people. Proverbs 1018 says, Whoever conceals hatred with lying lips and spreads slander is a fool. I am convinced that one of the most acceptable sins in evangelical churches all over America is the sin of gossip and slander. It's socially acceptable, is it not? You've all been in churches where it has been. I want to tell you right now, in case there was any, in case there was any doubt, that it's not acceptable in our community here at Northwest. We don't accept gossip and slander Is just, hey, that's just kind of who we are. That's part of who we are, and that's just how we're going to behave. We're not going to behave that way. Some of you have been in churches where they have disciplined people that have had affairs or uh, that have had some kind of other moral issue in their life. Let me ask you if you've been in a church like that, that's publicly disciplined somebody, have you ever been in a church where they discipline somebody for gossip and slander? I doubt anybody would say that this morning, and yet I would submit to you that more damage is done to the cause of Christ, to the furtherance of the gospel, to biblical community in a local church. More damage is done, not by adultery, as bad as that is, not by some other immorality, as bad as that is, but more damage is done by gossip and slander. And Proverbs says, if you do that, if you have lying lips and you spread slander, you gossip that you are a fool. Yet we have a tendency to believe that that's just kind of one of those socially acceptable sins in the church. We all kind of do that from time to time. And I call and offer a prayer request and I am kind of gossiping, but I'm not really, I'm just giving a prayer request and I'm kind of doing those things. If you find yourself like that... You are, according to Scripture, you are a biblical fool if you slander and you spread gossip. And I want to let you know, we won't tolerate it. We won't tolerate it from a pastor, from an elder, from a staff member. We won't tolerate it from a high school student, a middle school student. Are we going to do that from time to time? Yeah, but we check ourselves, right? We're doing self-assessment to make sure that we are not characterized as being proverbial biblical fools. Fools talk badly about people. Number seven, to go in line with what we've been talking about, number seven, you might be a fool if you have a big mouth. Now this is kind of one of those that you go, you know, some of us have big mouths, we just like to talk a lot, right? I mean, I, I, I said to you several weeks ago, I never go home at night and go, I wish I'd have said that to this person. I wish I'd have done that. On the way over here, Kayla and I were coming down the road and I saw some guy stealing some stealing some lumber from this construction site right up here. I mean, Kayla said, I thought he was a worker. I'm going, that dude's not a worker. Trust me. I mean, he's just loading his, he's loading the back of his car up with two by fours. And because I have a really big mouth, I thought it would behoove me to go and, and help him and tell him what he was doing was wrong, right? And I didn't want to make my 13 year old daughter uncomfortable. And so I, I didn't, didn't do that. But I, I never rarely get to the end of a day and go, I wish I would have said that. Never, or very rarely. I wish I would not have said things, but I don't all the time wish I would have said things. We can have big mouths. Proverbs 12, 23 says, the prudent keep their knowledge to themselves. They would do well to live that way in our marriages, would we not? Husbands, your wife doesn't always need to know what you think. Sometimes it'd be good for you just to keep your knowledge to yourself. Amen, ladies? She doesn't know. Yeah. All right, well, I'm going to say the opposite, too. Women, your husband doesn't need to always know what you think. See, no guy said amen. Look at the humility of the men in our church as opposed to the women. The prudent, Proverbs says, keep their knowledge to themselves. But a fool blurts out folly. Proverbs 18, 6. A fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. It's a good one. Tweet that. I like saying that. That's just kind of one of those lines. I get into a habit of doing that sometimes. Tweet that. Here's a better one Proverbs 17 28. You could tweet this one. Even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent. Mark Twain and Abraham Lincoln said it this way Better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to speak and to remove all doubt. You ever been in a meeting where you hear somebody talking and they're talking and you're going, like, they're stupid, they're foolish. You wouldn't have known that until they opened up their mouth. And then they opened up your mouth and went, you look like an intelligent person. But now, you have removed any doubt that I had. You're a fool, right? That's the idea. You could be the dumbest person on earth, mentally speaking, dumber than dirt. And yet, if you don't open up your mouth, and if you walk in a certain way, nobody will ever know. You learned that. Tweet that one. You learned that this morning, right? Right? Think about that. But when we open up our mouths, our big mouths, and we start talking and and assuming that everybody needs to understand the knowledge that we have, that we possess, that's when we become fools. And that's why Proverbs 17, 28 says, even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent. Number eight, you might be a fool if you humiliate your parents. Now, it might be easy for you to think, oh, he's talking about the, uh, he's talking now to the middle school and high school students, not uh, talking about me. Well, I am talking to middle school and high school students, and we're going to talk about that a little bit this fall in our series. Proverbs talks a lot about, about that, by the way, middle school, high school students, talks a lot about how we interact with our parents, how we respond to their discipline, how we respond to their instruction. Proverbs seventeen twenty one says, to have a fool for a child brings grief. There's no joy for the parent of a godless fool. Proverbs 15, 5, a fool spurns a parent's discipline, but whoever heeds correction shows prudence. So we know, we understand that biblically it says, children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother that it may go well with you, that you may live long on the earth. We focus a lot upon children, obey your parents and the Lord. But adults, we don't focus a lot so much on that idea of honoring, do we? I've really been convicted of this in my life. I don't know if it came from just being a youth pastor for so long, but what it means to honor our parents. For those of us that are adults in this room, we are not under the authority of our parents anymore. We don't live in their homes. They don't tell us what to do and not to do. But we still have a responsibility to honor them. And I want you to understand that I believe a fool humiliates and dishonors their parents. You say, well, how do you honor your parents? I think you honor your parents by continuing to love them and take care of them and to provide for them if necessary. My sisters and I have an ongoing conversation about this with our aging mother and how we respond to her. And I have a view that's much different than my sisters on this subject. They tend to believe that If she behaves in a way that they don't think is appropriate, then they should just kind of ignore. And I hope that that's not how you feel. Because uh, what a wise person does is they bring honor to their parents. I want to challenge you to do that. I want to challenge you adults to do that. To do a little check this morning and ask yourself if your parents are still living, if they're still on the planet, do you honor them? I know some of you could raise your hand. I know some of your stories and say they don't deserve honor thinking one particular situation in the room this morning where that person could easily say they don't deserve honor. The way that they've treated, the way they've not provided for me, they don't deserve honor. And yet, in this particular situation that I know of, this person honors that parent, even though it's incredibly difficult to do that. I've told my sisters that I recognize, I've already done this with my dad, that I'll stand before my dad, I preached at his funeral, I'll look down into that casket, and I want to know that I honored my father. I'll do that same thing with my mom one day. I'm sure that I'll speak at her funeral and I'll look down at that casket and I want to know that I honored her. I want to challenge you to do that and for us to be a people like that. There's some things that I really appreciate about certain cultures that I hate about American culture. And one is this idea that we kind of have in America that our parents just kind of provide for themselves and kind of do their own thing over there and we don't really have any responsibility. And yet what I really appreciate about the Asian and the Indian culture Is their nurture and care for the older generations and the responsibility that they take. We would do well as an American culture to learn from that. It's a biblical imperative. We are to honor our parents. Fools humiliate their parents. I don't care what you think they deserve or what you deserve, it really comes down to what's right. All right, number nine you might be a fool if you're not respected. Real quickly, Proverbs 335 says this the wise inherit honor, but fools get only shame. Have you ever noticed that we have a tendency to laugh at fools, but we don't respect them? Did you ever notice that? You guys notice that in middle school, high school? Maybe even notice it in the workplace? The guy, the girl, man, they're the clown. Everybody's always laughing at them. They're always doing really stupid, foolish things. People are, oh, you know, they're, they're the center of attention. And man, they're beating, their, they're, they're loving the attention. But do you respect them? No. No. You're a fool. And when you're a fool, you're not respected. Fools get only shame. They're not respected. Lastly, you might be a fool if you don't learn from your mistakes. Now, I'm not going to exposit this particular verse like we had our proverb uh, exposited last week. Proverbs 26, says, As a dog returns to his vomit, so fools repeat their folly. I don't think that requires a lot of explanation, okay? I find it quite odd, actually, but I don't think it requires a lot of explanation to say this. Fools don't learn their lessons from the mistakes that they make. They continue to do the same foolish things over and over and over again to their own destruction. You've probably heard the definition of insanity, right? It's doing the same things you've always done and expecting a different result. That's what fools do. They just continue to repeat the same mistakes over and over and over and over and over over again. It's not a question of, will we make mistakes? We will make mistakes. We will sin. The question is, what will we do when we sin? Will we learn from those failures? Will we learn from those mistakes? Or will we continue to repeat them? As a dog returns to its vomit, so fools repeat their folly. Now, you can do that little assessment. There's 10 things. Hopefully nobody got 10 out of 10. (laughs) Don't tell us if you did, all right? But I guarantee as you walk through some of those things, and that's just 10, remember there's 96 times when in Proverbs we find fool's foolish folly. What do I do, what do we do if we're considered a proverbial fool in one or more areas of our life? Let me give you just three simple things real quick and we'll pray. Number one, admit your foolish behavior. Just admit it. I always tell my kids in my house, I can forgive you of anything. We can work through anything if you admit it. If you lie, if you disregard it, if you won't admit it, it's impossible. Admit your foolish behavior. You've heard it said that you cannot change what you don't acknowledge, right? It's a great statement. You cannot change what you don't acknowledge. You have to acknowledge it, and when you acknowledge it, that's when change can begin. Number two, you'll love this one. Very simple. Make sure that your closest friends aren't fools. Okay? Now notice I said make sure that your closest friends aren't fools. We're all going to have friends. In fact, sometimes we're going to be a friend that's probably marked by foolish behavior. But make sure that your closest friends are not fools. Proverbs 14.7 says, Stay away from a fool, for you will not find knowledge in their lips. Proverbs 13, 20, walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. I said it for 20 years in youth ministry this way. You are like your friends are. Anybody know? Or you soon will be. Take a look around. You are like your friends are. You soon will be. Hope you like who your friends are because you're either already like them or you are becoming like that. That's why Proverbs says the companion of fools soon comes to ruin. You hang out with foolish people, you're going to do foolish stuff. Middle school students, remember that. You hang out with people that are foolish, that behave foolishly, that's what eventually you're going to do or you already do that and that's why you hang out with those kind of people. A companion of fools soon comes to ruin. Make sure that your closest friends aren't fools. Adults the same way. It amazes me how many adults are in love with hanging out with people that are, that are just foolish. They do foolish things. And by the way, you hang out with them, and guess who else hangs out with them? Adults. Your kids hang out with them, too. And your kids begin to like those foolish people. And they begin to emulate that foolish behavior. Don't do it. And then lastly, embrace the foolishness of the gospel. I thought I'd end with that. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says, For the message of the cross is what? It's foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Don't be ashamed of the fact that the world sneers and scoffs at us and about the way we live our lives. Embrace the foolish and watch the foolishness of the gospel. Confound those who are living their lives and they're pursuing the things of this world rather than those things that are eternal. We live in a world that looks at the way we live as followers of Jesus or the way that we should live, and they go, that's crazy. They did the same thing, by the way, when Jesus preached his Sermon on the Mount. They went, that's crazy. That's insane. Why should we? We deserve to be treated this way, and why should we treat people this way? And I can't believe he just said that. That's the way the world looks at the way we are to behave as Christ followers. They look at it as foolishness. I say embrace it. Because living that way is the way that the creator of life, the sustainer of life, the giver, the taker of life said we are to live life. Here's one last challenge. I want you to take what I'll call the Proverbs 31 challenge. There's 31 chapters in Proverbs and over the next several weeks, just read a chapter a day in Proverbs. These are just short, simple instructions on how we are to live lives, lives, our lives. And by the way, moms and dads, if you don't have a time of family devotions, you don't have a devotional book or something that you're, you're reading, you're going through with your family, this is a really easy way to do it. doesn't take a lot of instruction. Most of them don't require a lot of commentary. Just short, simple instructions of how to live life. This would be a great thing to start doing with your family. Maybe this would be a great month to get in that habit of, uh, of regular, methodical family uh, devotions. You'll find it'll produce some great discussion especially when you get in particular chapters, i.e. chapter five, and other chapters, all right? Uh, Everybody's going, what's chapter five saying? I want to see what that says. (laughs) Some exciting things there. Let's just skip right to chapter five. You'll get into some good conversations with your uh, young kids, with your middle school, high school students, but it'll be a great way to make sure that we are living as wise and not as fools. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, this time. Thank you for your word. God, not a lot of profound things, that we looked at this morning, they're just simple instructions that are given to us on how we should live our lives and by living our lives in this manner, how we bring pleasure to the heart of God. And I pray we'll do that. God, as we take that assessment, each one of us, I pray that those of us that are honest and will mark ourselves in some aspects of our lives as proverbial fools, God, God, I pray that you would give us the boldness, the conviction to forsake those things, to admit where we've become foolish, and to turn around and move in a different direction. God, don't let us be foolish people whose lives are marked by foolish behavior, which in the end brings destruction, but help us walk as wise and not fools. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.